Welcome to The Activist Files, the Center for Constitutional Rights podcast, where we feature the stories of activists, lawyers, and storytellers on the front lines fighting for justice and liberation. If you want to know more about the Center for Constitutional Rights and our work, visit our website at ccrjustice.org. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter, Frontlines of Justice, and we'll keep you up to date on important developments and exciting events near you or online. You can also make a donation to help us keep doing the vital work of supporting our partners, movements, and communities. As always, don't forget to subscribe to The Activist Files and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And now, here's The Activist Files podcast. everyone coming to you live from Rome, Georgia. This is Z Scout with the Activist Files, CCR's podcast. And I'm here today with the remarkable human, the one and only Ashley Diamond. Hi everybody. Hey Ashley. So why don't you tell all our listeners here in your own words who you are and why you're here today? Who am I? I'm a little bit of Whitney, I'm a little bit of Britney, I'm a little bit of everybody, but know who I am is a free spirit who loves. That's really who I am. I love to love people. You're also a bit of a civil rights activist, aren't you, as one of CCR's clients? Yes. I hate to toot my own horn, but beep, beep. Yes, um, I've been doing this for a while now, and um, it's challenging, but it's fun. What kind of civil rights activism have you been doing? I've been working in the prison arena. Of course, I've had several suits that were not in prison that were very successful, as well as being pro se, representing my own self in several matters, like I did in this matter. You know, I filed the initial complaint and went from there. Yeah, yeah. To give some more background to that, you filed two lawsuits against the Georgia Department of Corrections. The first one when you were imprisoned in an all-male facility, even though you are a striking woman. Thank you. You are so welcome. They denied all hormone therapy replacement treatment Mm -hmm. to you. And that lawsuit, which you successfully brought and were able to challenge with great success, put a halt to a lot of what people were calling freeze-frame policies. Absolutely. Right, and those are where the prison will not let you continue your HRT as a trans person or as, frankly, anyone who needs HRT if you enter without being on it already or without a prescription that they can verify. And that's just terrific. So that was an incredible suit. The second one I know that you brought when you had to return to prison because of a parole violation for traveling out of state to get some mental health treatment. Mm -hmm. Very needed mental health treatment. Absolutely. So that second suit challenged, frankly, what was just a horrifying fact pattern day after day after day after day of your life. Something that also, as a trans woman, I was horrified to read and see and experience kind of alongside with you, because why don't you tell our listeners how we know each other? Z worked on my case, and the week that I went down for trial, we met in person, and I have just clicked with you, I think, in a way that is just inexplicable. It's nice to actually know someone and like them. <laughs> yeah, that, that part's operative, right? You have mm-hmm. to like a person. Mm-hmm. But it was really so special to um, like meet you on this case, work with you. 
I had been doing work from afar, like on your case, but I had never got to like talk to you and be there alongside you as you were really surmounting just like daily horrifying things, even out of prison. In fact, that's kind of where I want to go next is, you know, the trial was in middle to early of January, 2023, very recent. But what was the lead up to trial like for you? Um, For me, it was just, I automatically knew that we would have to go to trial. Like, I knew that the state was not going to budge, no matter, you know, what anybody else's outlook on the situation was. I knew that I wouldn't be safe. I'm black, I'm trans, I sued the state of Georgia. What more do I need to say? I mean, what do you think is going to happen to me? You think if I went back to prison, they were going to be nice and protect me? Absolutely not. Especially after you beat them the first time. In fact, they made it very, very difficult. And this time was even worse. But, you know, I felt like it was the right thing to do. And I just felt like it was my right. And I felt like it was constitutionally my right. And that I should not let these people get away with what they did. Yeah, yeah. Great points. What was it like for your health in the lead up to trial? You know, to be honest, I have been very melancholy since I've been out. Which was when again? I got out in September, August. August 2022, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so August 2022 to about January, you're having to just reorient to everything. Everything, and it was really a challenge this time. I mean, I don't think people... It's a challenge for anybody coming out of prison, but being Ashley Diamond coming out of prison, it has its trials. Yeah. And so I was, um, I don't know, I was just not taking very good care of myself. Mm-hmm. the way that I should and the way, I mean, you know, I was trying. It wasn't like I was just, like, throwing myself to the wolves, but, like, every day it was a struggle to just get up and do just normal things and just just be myself, like, because I hadn't been myself for so long. In prison, I had to wear so many different hats. Mm. Say more about that real quick. And I talk about, um, I talk about that in my book actually, um, you know, how this time I did play the game a little differently. When I realized that there was no help coming to me, I knew that I had to do something. And so I had to play the game. And unfortunately, it's so sad because, you know, it's not safe. And there were repercussions for some of the actions that I took, but I felt like they were absolutely necessary Mm -hmm. to take. And some other people didn't feel that strongly about it. So I did, and I still feel very strongly. But I've also come to the realization that trans lives matter. And I know everyone says that, and I know it's a bumper sticker and a T-shirt. But um, I came to the point where I realized that my life is really valuable. And I never, you know, I always thought I was okay and I deserved things, but I didn't really understand the magnitude of, number one, my effect on just living my life and and fighting for the things I'm fighting for, how they affect other people, and just how many people have been affected by me. Anytime you can affect somebody that is not yourself and you can help other people, it is always a great thing to do because I was literally fighting for my life, but to be able to make mass changes for trans people is absolutely, you know, wonderful. Yeah, it is. 
Thank you for your work, and thank you for everything you just said. Absolutely. Thank you. Of course. I'm going to zoom us back really quick to kind of when you were getting out of prison again. Mm-hmm. Reorienting to life. Everything was a challenge. Now, you and I share some diagnoses. We, of course, have our lovely gender dysphoria, but then there's major depressive disorder mm-hmm. and PTSD. Mm-hmm. And people who deal with those things, every day is a struggle, right? Like Absolutely. I think, you know... Because now everybody gets PTSD. Right. That people don't realize the seriousness of the condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about how you answer your door, for instance. Oh, yeah. I'll change my voice to answer my door. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll leave a vacuum cleaner running so people think somebody's here. Mm-hmm. And because I spent so much time in solitary confinement, I've just gotten used to being in dimly lit places and... Staying in one spot. Like, I'll find one room in this house, and I'll just... That's where I'm always at. Interesting. And that's good, but it's also... I realized that, you know, it wasn't very healthy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm making changes. Yeah. But they're going to be slow. I don't expect it to be overnight. I remember when I met you, a couple days before your trial started, you told me that you were really unhappy with how you were feeling, how you were looking, and what your motivations were for things because of this period from when you got out of prison to the moment where we're coming up to trial in January and you're living in the ways you just described on a daily basis. And so walk me through and tell people a little bit, if you don't mind, if you want to share, why you were upset with your appearance and with... Oh, I was very upset with my appearance because, not that I'm a vain person, but I've lost a lot of weight mm-hmm. dramatically. From um, the stress of everything? Yes, just the stress and not eating and 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 so many things, not sleeping. I had bags under my eyes. I was just like, oh my God, like just really, really not well. Yeah. And during that time, what was your health care situation like? Oh, gosh. Uh, the prison had decided that when I went home, I didn't deserve a 30-day supply of my hormones. Of course. And so I had to go a month almost without them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's still a struggle with them, you know. I work. I'm so happy to have my job. I work for a wonderful legal organization, TGIJP. So... We're entering January 2023, going to trial when you've been losing weight, dealing with very significant mental health issues throughout. You're reorienting to life after getting out of prison where you spent horrific times. Um, You have limited health care. And you're in this position where you are having to fight for your life by advocating for your life, by telling your life in the best version possible and all the pressure that entails. So, trial. I remember you got in my car and we drove to the courthouse that morning for jury selection. Let's tell people a little bit more about that. What was the scene like? Paint a little picture for us. Oh, it was just your typical courtroom. Mm-hmm. Typical. I guess I do it all the time, so it's like not a big deal for me. But it was stressful because of the situation. So it was jury selection. And we walk into this courtroom. Mm-hmm. And the judge is in the front, 
And then our table was right in front of the judge, mm-hmm. and the defense table mm-hmm. was behind us. And then the gallery with 100-something strangers was just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And then all the defendants who you sued, all of these officials in the state of Georgia mm-hmm. working for the Department of Corrections. It was good to see them. Yeah, what was that like for you? Because they were just staring at you. It was great. Mm-hmm. For me, it was great to let you know, don't play with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not the one to play with at all. I don't play the radio on a personal level, and I don't play it on a professional level. It, that is a part of who I am, and sometimes that gets me into trouble, but it is what it is. And, you know, I was not afraid. Everyone wanted me to feel intimidated. I was actually just more concentrated on the process. Yeah, I remember we were all sitting there looking at these 100-something folks trying to decide who would be the most amenable to, like, not only trans rights, but, like, rights of individuals, civil rights in prisons. So, it was a very, um, I remember thinking that it was really curious the number of people who were, like, out loud saying, oh, yeah, I have, you know, queer relatives or friends. There were so many. There were so many. So, I don't know. What was your impression from that? Um, Again, I do that all the time. So, it's not... It was a look at reality. Because almost every one of those jurors knew someone who was gay or transgender. Yeah. And so, that was neat to me. And the fact that they would openly stand up and say it in court. I thought so, too. I thought that that was not only brave, but, you know, that it was a step... That is a step in the right direction for people to just be able to say it. So many kids and teens struggle with their family and friends. They have nowhere to go. Like, I'm so over this. Like, I really intend to, like, take this all the way to Washington. Um, I'm having a big event coming up at the end of March. Um, It's a welcome home event, but we will be fundraising for travel and, and for me to do what I do best. As well as live, there are some necessities that are needed. I'm ready to lead by example. Yeah, I can tell. We're going to definitely talk a little bit more about this fundraising event at the end of March. Uh, We'll plug that, too, in any way we can. I was really glad, circling back to the jury, that so many people stood up and said that. I mean, I remember where I was sitting. I was, like, five feet away from some of them in a chair just trying to gauge their reactions anytime we would be asking them questions. I wasn't sure if I was passing or not. I had no idea if they knew I was trans. Don't you hate that when you're... I hate that. (laughs) I hate it too. But they kept announcing me, and I think that was confusing for the jury, because they'd be like, Ashley Diamond is a trans woman, and they'd look at me, and they'd be like... (laughs) They're like, oh, I thought she was just a woman. Oh, my God, it is the Jerry Springer show, literally, is what Mm. that was. I do recall, like, even just small things were really felt big, and I was glad, actually, to be there with you. Like, at one point, we took a break. Do you remember mm-hmm. from the jury proceedings? And we just, like, went to take you to the restroom. I almost never use restrooms in public places if I can help it. But you came in there. Yes. And Yay. it's because we had another, you know, I had a, I had a friend. I had an ally there. You were there. brave. You were brave the whole time. Say what you want to say. Let the words fly out. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, little do our listeners know, this is why you should stay listening. We're going to be singing at the end of this podcast. Oh, yay. That's going to be so fun, too. I think so. So, now we're finally up to the moment. They know what they did. And, like, no matter how much I sue or how many times I keep doing this uh, with the Department of Corrections, they're still going to be the same. They're mm. not going to change. Mm. 
Yeah. They're still going to follow the ignorant ways that they have because there's changes that have been made on paper. Right. But they're not in effect, obviously. And I think that um, I'm stronger and better used helping my community not go to prison than I am trying to make these people do right. I will always fight for prisoners' rights, not just trans prisoners, but all prisoners, but especially trans prisoners because they have it bad. I will always do that, but my main thing is the suicides, the the unwantedness, the angst that my people are feeling. Um, I, I want to do something to ease that because like, there needs to be immediate relief for this community. It doesn't need to be 10 more years, 20 more years. It needs to be immediate. And there's got to be some changes. And there can be some changes. I know it's not going to change overnight. But I definitely know that there are things that we all could be doing to make things better. And I don't mean just because you get a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. Like, if you're not committed to the cause, don't do that. That's cute. That's sweet. Thank you. But there are a lot of people that false commit. We call them posers. <laughs> yeah, unless that bumper sticker money is going to Ashley Diamond, then I don't know if I'm here for it. But yeah, so the model in which we try and seek all these rights, right? Like we go into court, we file a lawsuit. We bring the lawsuit on behalf of someone who lives at every single marginalization, right? And then we expect them to be perfect. We expect them to be this perfect plaintiff. Let's just talk about that model for a second. Like why... Is that wrong to you? What is flawed well, about I it? Think I think I'm going to tell you what's flawed with that whole system, period. Mm-hmm. Is that we judge people based on their crimes. Mm-hmm. And just because I don't care what your crime is, you don't deserve to be mistreated. And there are a lot of people that feel differently about that. I don't. I think that, you know, God does all of that. Or whatever higher power or that you believe or don't believe in. It ain't people. And that is... A big misconception right there. You know, again, like I said, being spiritual for me, loving people is the most important thing that there is. No matter what you like about them or not, like you have to listen, people are hard to love and and, and things about people are hard to love and you may not like every faucet of someone's life, but people deserve and have an inherent dignity to be able to exist. And um, right now that's, you know, being jeopardized especially here in georgia too because you know i hit i feel it from just three years of being gone and coming back everything was beginning better and now there's been just a marginal decrease yeah what are some things that you've noticed in those three years since you've been back i notice how the way they treat trans youth and the lack of resources for them which is horrible it is better for you to throw yourself into the river with a rock chain to your feet than it is for you to harm or mislead a child. You were trans youth in many ways. Like, I didn't live... I didn't know I was a trans child when I was a child, you know? So do you feel kind of closer to their struggle as a result of that? Or do you just feel close in general to... I mean, everybody's story is different, I think. Mm -hmm. I think, and it's so unique, and I love it. I love to hear everybody's story coming into their own and who they are. But I think this is something that is inborn. Mm -hmm. And I think there's different degrees to it. I also believe that there's a medical and psychological profile that is effective and needed for it. 
a lot of trans girls have a problem with, you know, but the problem with people having a problem with being labeled is you're going to be labeled anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be labeled, you should be labeled by people who know what they're talking about and have an outlined plan for the condition to be treated. You've mentioned something that I would love to spend a couple minutes talking about. You're spending a lot of time debating intracommunal issues about pronouns, identity, who should be calling who what, who mm-hmm. can enter what spaces, but we still have this larger question of liberation and freedom. Yeah. What needs to happen to get people free, in your opinion? I think the fact that we're not able to legally have protection like there are no laws against harassing beating up murdering or doing anything to a trans person they are for humans and i know people say well they're all for all humans but it is completely different people who growing up blowing up jewish monasteries or blowing up asian churches like every like there's a theme that runs with all of that and that's scary and that's crazy but they have hate crimes when you do that if you bash my face in and rob me, there's not really nothing going to happen to you. You might go to jail. Mm-hmm. But, like, no one's going to be like, you beat up a trans woman just because she was a trans woman. Or you, you know, something silly like that. And there, that is a problem. I think that, um, you know, it's so funny. In other states, and big cities, everyone has unisex bathrooms. I think they should have always done that. I know people say, oh, well, people pretend to be this. Well, guess what? They've probably been doing that all along. But I ain't never heard of one case where no man pretended to be no woman and just to go peep at people. I have saw a lot, too, growing up. Um, I have saw a lot of friends hurt. I've been hurt. Mm-hmm. I've been, oh, my God. i suffered a lot of violence my whole life. My hand was chopped off with a machete. A lot of very hateful things. Yeah. And that is a real fear. And my father used to always tell me I never understood. He's like, your life's going to be hard. That's why I never accepted you. We made peace before he died, but I, now I know what he meant. Yeah. And see, with me, it makes it so worse because it's almost just because I am passable and all of that, people feel deceived. Like, my whole life, no one's ever known. I go eat with my friends. They bring me home, people. But when people find out, they really, like, have a problem with that. They feel so deceived. But I'm like, why are you deceived? Because I'm being who I am. Mm -hmm. Even in prison, when they shave my head bald and no makeup and not looking like a girl, people still call me a girl. Inadvertently. They didn't even mean to. Someone would correct it later, but... Because of the mannerisms, because of the soul. Gender's in your spirit. Yes, it is in between your legs. It's anatomy. But gender is also a feeling. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's not being addressed. Everyone is looking at this like... They see it as an, whether you see this transgenderism as an affliction or not. These are a group of people who deserve... A chance. Yeah. Just a chance to go to school. Just a chance to work. Just a chance. And some of us do well. Some of us come from great lives. Some of us, you know, I've they ain't never had a don't know what it's like to have a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people transition very quickly. One week they're this way, the next week they're a woman. 
And there's a, you know, it's really, it's disheartening that, you know, we have this image that we have. Yeah, it bothers me a lot. And we're a sexual fetish. I know, right? One of the largest sexual fetishes in the world. And what kills me is most of the men that, especially officials, that are trying to sue and kill me are the same men that try to sleep with me. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. I know when I walk, I try not to speak at all, right? Like, I walk down the street and I get honked at or people wave or they slow their cars down or they start following me, but I'm like, don't open your mouth, Z, because when you do, this is what they're going to hear and then you might be in some trouble. Don't you hate it when, like, you're just, like, standing there and someone comes up to you thinking you're a girl and then they, like, get a little closer and they're like... (gasps) And they, like, and recoil they on you. Yeah. They literally recoil. Yeah. I talked about that on the, the radio show about that. Oh, about trans being passing, passable and yeah. how people react. Yeah, it's weird. Mm. And that's the normal reaction. Yeah, do you ever feel like um, you didn't have, like, permission to feel upset when something like that would happen to you? All the time. Yeah. I feel like I brought it on myself. This is the world. But I took it gladly. Mm-hmm. That's all you're gonna do, as long as you don't beat me up. Right. But you know, name calling never affects me. Never has. Never will. That doesn't bother me. I, I, I know who I am. If you don't know who you are when you walk out the door in the morning, dead name calling will affect you. Mm-hmm. But like, I know who I am. I've always known who I am, and um, that's why it's important for people to be authentic. And the way to do that is to see someone authentically living their life with the normal trials and tribulations that come with our life, but still having the chance. Like, just as many negative things about my life, I have positive things to counteract that. You know, I'm friends with celebrities. You can Google me. Yeah, you got a wiki page. And, I mean, there are a lot of good-ups to it but there are still also a lot of downs too but while you're up bring somebody else up Mm. you make a lot of music and you're a very good singer you were singing before we just started recording oh god and i was impressed by your high notes and you say you're writing a book too tell me more about what you're working on well the book was finished it's called the memoirs of a chain gang sissy some people don't like that title but it's not tell them to write their own book and then they can call it whatever they want. But I call it that because Sissy is the name that they refer to trans women and people in prison. And so it was a name that I had to embrace. And so I was like, okay. The Memoirs of a Tangay Sissy was also a YouTube series that I recorded in prison. Mm. Um, there were several videos that we smuggled in that I, the offenders in prison and people stood up with me and we posted them on YouTube. And they're called the Memoirs of a Chain Gang Sissy. It's part, it's 12 parts. And, you know, just that unity. Because no matter what, even in there, even though there were some people that were just awful, even trans people that were just downright awful and nasty and mean. Yeah, we're just people at the end of the day, too. Yeah, that's true. But there were so many people who needed my spirit and needed me just being me. And I started to realize the gravity of that. But sometimes it's hard to be me. Sometimes I don't feel like me. Yeah, say more. And it's not that I, again, because I know who I am, 
But, like, I don't, like, there was a big part. I used to be very, very, very trusting and outgoing. And still outgoing, but not as trusting. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because I I lose a lot. I lose a lot of relationships. Um, it's difficult to make new friends. Because to me, if you ain't been here, you don't need to be here. <laughs> but, like, that's not the right attitude. And so, but the feelings are real. Mm-hmm. And I need to live them out. And play them out. So how else can I advise people? The reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I have experience. I've got experience not just in the courtroom, but experience being in the prison. Not just being in the prison, working at the prison. Facilitating. Like, I don't know what people thought, but like, I worked in prison. I got many degrees, certificates, all lined in. You see those? My hairdresser used to be... um Someone who worked in prison, too. See? So, you know... We have the best conversations. So, it's like, you know, I... And I just want to be appreciated for that at the end of the day. You're appreciated and you're very loved. I hope so. You want to do a little singing? Yes! (laughs) Everybody, we're going to do my song. It's going to be on my album. It's called It Doesn't Matter. And it might be relatable it may not, but um, let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. Take one here in Rome, Georgia. It's just D minor and A minor, right? All right. Okay. Hit the it. whole way through? Yep. Okay. Everybody else is too. Yeah, very personal song. So um, all of my songs are, and they tell stories. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to let everybody hear that side of me. Me too, because I am a Whitney Houston impersonator, and I did that for many years. 
Yeah. And so I practiced well. I have great vocal coaches. Cheryl Porter, shout out to Cheryl. Cheryl, you rock. Shouts out. Hey, speaking of other things we got to plug, and by the way, whenever this album comes down, I will be listening, I will be loving, and I will be sharing. Thank you. Tell me more about this fundraiser you're doing, and then we can wrap up and go have some fun. Okay. Well, we are doing an event called Home, because I guess that's what I'm still looking for, I guess. And even though I'm home, like, um, we didn't get a chance to celebrate it and talk about it and, like, have everybody come. And this is our opportunity. The Free Ashley Diamond team, allies, other allies, and people are coming together to do an event. We'll be celebrating and we'll be fundraising as well just to celebrate us and me, but us. Yeah. I'm so glad. I mean, I know that you have such incredible ambitions and you can accomplish them because you're so talented. But right now you need support. You need to move somewhere else. You need money to do that. You need money for therapy and healthcare. The stuff ain't cheap. Not in this economy. That's right. So, we should continue to plug this event for you. And I hope that you keep us updated on it. Absolutely. Let us know about it. Absolutely. Shout out to Shinyare NZA. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Shout out to Leah Todd. Shout out to CJ Sandley. Shout out to CCR, period. (laughs) Okay. And everybody, lots of love for the great Ashley Diamond. I love you guys. Thank you, Z. This is wonderful. you enjoyed this episode of the activist files the center for constitutional rights podcast just a reminder to subscribe and rate us on itunes spotify and soundcloud and if you want to find out more about our work visit our website at ccrjustice.org that's all until next time on the activist files